everybody got a a good morning welcome, a high five, a hug. Hey, we're back in our sanctuary. Wow, I know that. You know, we've been in, um, we've done our church in our basement when we were in North Carolina in rec centers, but it's great to be uh, back here. If you're here like, what happened? Right, well, the last I was just asking, we were eight weeks in our fellowship hall, eight weeks. There was a gentleman that came a week or two ago, and he was clanging on the doors, and he said, what happened? And I said, oh, I kind of explained it. He says, well, I don't get to come all the time because I live a little ways out. So, again, we're back. So one of the things, actually, it actually worked out. I, was, I really wanted the Sunday that we were back in to have Jonathan come to do his acai, and he was unavailable for a few weeks until this week at the homeschool group. He says, hey, I can make it on Sunday. I'm like, all right. So after, so he's already packed up and gone, so if you, he's not. After service, please stay for iced coffee, acai, kind of a celebration, and um, do a good, generous tip in that box for him, right? Appreciate him and his family. And they have a brand-new baby in the back there, Selah, so she's here today. So good to see uh, her as well, too. A couple things coming up. Um, October 7th is our men's and women's breakfast. That's at 8 o'clock. We'll send out an email this week. And I always say it wrong. I'm going to just call it Anna's Kitchen. I know it's Anaya. or How do you say it, Ernie? Anya's. All right. Anya's Kitchen, 8 o'clock. And then on October 14th and 28th, we're back second and fourth Sunday for our free food ministry. So don't miss out on grabbing a flyer that's out there. Also, come on out to serve. Bring your family. Come at 830 in the morning. And um, we have uh, actually we have a school that's going to send a couple kids because they have service hours. Come and serve inside, outside. It's a great opportunity as we get to serve uh, our community. And then on October 15th, African Christian Fellowship, it's their annual Appreciation Sunday with lunch. That sounds really good today, but that'll be October 15th. And then we'll update you later on November 3rd, Fall Festival. It's on a Friday night with the Fundamentals uh, Homeschool Group. We'll update you on that as well. And then I, I missed one. I don't have my glasses. That was my confession. I had a confession that I need to start wearing my glasses more. Now I'm looking at the back, right? So next Sunday, if you don't see me with my glasses on, please say, where's your glasses? So I don't look. One of The reason I got them is I looked at the back screen one time, and it reminded me of that movie Transformers. I couldn't see what was up there. And I, going like this anyways, so I can see. So um, we're back. I just heard the air conditioner kick on. Right, Wave your arms. So we're back in our uh, sanctuary. We still have a very uh, a smaller amount. What a blessing, those of you that had given towards it. We still have about $3,600. Uh, we didn't receive the final bill, so if you'd like to do that, you can give as well. All right, two verses today for our tithes and offerings. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Solomon writes this down. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, he uses this interesting, it's honoring the Lord in what we do. But notice, we don't understand the terminology of our barns filled. I don't know, does anybody have a barn in their backyard? That's not a terminology. But, you know, hay, straw, all of, all of the produce that was given there and your vats overflowing with new wine. The harvest had come in and you have new wine. But he says that one word, honor 
the Lord. Our giving is about that. It's honoring him. So we're going to put a prayer up on the screen, and I'd like you to pray it individually between yourself and your Father God. Let's pray this. Let's say this all together. As I give in today's offering, Lord, I remember that my giving is to honor you and that you will open to me your good treasures over my life. I choose to honor you today in my giving. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're giving in service today, there is an envelope in your seat back pocket. You can place that in the offering slot on the wall as you exit. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online, and you can go online and download today's notes. Encourage you to do that. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And then, um, then if you have an extra finger available, 2 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 2. The last, uh, really September, Eric kicked it off with Psalm 32, Psalm 32, followed up by Sam, who talked about renewing the mind. Michelle came next about conformed or transformed. And then last week, uh, Linus spoke about the silent majority, really being completely transformed. We're going to look at somebody that was transformed by the Holy Spirit, one that you don't think would be chosen or picked. So I had a hard time, you know, message titles aren't as important as God's word. That's the most important. I was having a hard time. You know, one of them was like excuses. How many of you have ever had a really good excuse? Really, really right. Remember the old one, the dog ate my homework, right? I couldn't turn it in or, uh, you know, all, all of us, there's, there's been excuses. But uh, growing up, we would always hear, um, you know, there. They're the excuses you came both stink like both of your armpits. You ever heard that one? Your excuses stink. Well, my title, though, is What You Must Do. And this is going to be Jesus' words to the Apostle Paul. But I want to read this section of Scripture first. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's actually planted that church in Corinth with another couple, but he said this. He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in, say it with me, the power of God. So, Father, we pray today and we read these verses. Lord, speak to us by your Holy Spirit today. What must we do? What are you telling us, each of us, individually to do? And we walk in that by the power of God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Paul said that he was in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. 
But it didn't matter, uh, and we'll look at that in a minute, it didn't matter what Paul thought about or felt about it. He knew that his faith was not in man. His faith was in God's power. But it's interesting when we read that about him. You know, today, in, in our societies like this today, it's appearance, isn't it? Uh, how you look, how you did your hair, what you wear, what you don't wear, what shoes you wear, how you style different things. Everything has to do with appearance. And we're going to look in a minute with the Apostle Paul, because when you read that about him, uh, the Apostle Paul, really, if we looked at his resume, he was above all things, but he understood with what he went through that he would not trust in man. He would trust in God's power. He's writing to uh, this church in Corinth, which Corinth would be very similar to any of our large, large, large cities. So many different ethnic groups. In fact, when Paul preached here, he knew that he was preaching to the entire world because people would actually go back and they would go back to the cities that they were in and they would go and take the gospel with them. But we could say this, that the church is going to use this opportunity to preach Jesus and they're going to preach him. Well, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. Paul says this that the people are saying about him. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. He's, would you ever say that? Hey, come to the Hills Church Sunday. You should say our pastor. He's weak, right? He can't even talk. You should see him, right? It, I mean, you got to come. It's pretty comical. They, they wrote that about him. You, yeah, you say, uh, uh, my bodily presence is weak. So what is that all about? Why would, why would a, a church of people or a community of people say that about the Apostle Paul? And we'll look at in a minute because he had a radical conversion when he met Jesus. In fact, it was a transformation inside out, changed everything about him, but he did what Jesus told him to do. So I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 22 through 28. Maybe you haven't read this before, but Paul is going to, in just a few verses, talk about what he physically went through in preaching the gospel. Let's remember this. What did he do prior to being transformed by the gospel? He hated Christians. In fact, not only did he hate Christians, he made havoc of the church, and he spoke about murderous things about you, right? Paul, Saul, Paul, prior to it being transformed, he hated you if you're a Christian. He wanted you incarcerated, and he wanted you dead. Now he's preaching the gospel. But we read this in 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 28. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
A night and the day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Did he pretty much as he's been in perils everywhere he's gone? He says, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other thing, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for the churches. Has anybody been beaten 39 times 5? Do you know what that equals? 195 times Paul was whipped because of preaching the gospel. Three different times he mentions that he was beaten with rods. Now, we don't know if this is what happened to Paul, but the Romans were known to when they beat you with rods, they flipped you upside down and they beat the soles of your feet barefoot. They would beat it and beat it and beat it until it was bruised, broken, and bloody. You know, if somebody just tickles your foot, you ever jump like that? Somebody just tickles your foot a little bit. Our feet are very sensitive. Now, we don't know if that's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was probably beaten with rods all over his body. But he writes this in Romans chapter 10, verse 15. He says this, how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So with all of the whippings, all of the rod beatings being stoned, in fact, if you read that description when Paul was stoned, the reason people stopped throwing stones is they knew that the individual was dead. And they didn't just aim at your foot, they were trying to aim for your head. And they left him alone, and then others gathered and prayed, and Paul rose up, right? Paul rose up. So when we read all of this, I think Paul looked like just a beat-up dude, right? Rough, beat-up. Man, just didn't look like what everybody thought. And that's why he came back, and he says, you know what? I was with you in weakness, in fear, and I trembled. But my strength wasn't in the mankind. My strength, my power was in God. I trusted God. In whatever situation, I trusted God. It's interesting when we read a little bit about Saul, who became Paul. We read in, you can look it up later, Acts 8, Acts 9, where he's wreaking havoc of the church. He's going after, in fact, Linus was the one that talked to even about last week about Christians and the coming persecution of Christians and we don't like it when people maybe say something about us on social media, or we don't like it when somebody complains about something that we did. Well, um, Paul, or Saul at the time, he was going after churches. That was his mission. He was, if we looked at his resume, he was the top of his class. He was being groomed under Gamaliel. He was preaching in synagogues, so he had the license to preach in a synagogue. He also had the letters to grab any Christian and throw them into prison and have them killed. But Jesus made it personal. When people are persecuted for the gospel, it's personal to Jesus. It's personal. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. I know that's, look at somebody and say, that's really encouraging today. No, 
All right? I mean, we, he said, if they hate you, they're going to hate me. It's because we identify with him. Remember Paul's words. I don't trust in, in human wisdom. I trust only in the power of God. doesn't look like what I look like. doesn't look like how I talk. Do I say all the right things? Do I, is my appearance great? Am I, am I shaking a little bit? Am I mumbling too much when I, when I speak? Is the power of God present? So we read about Paul's uh, encounter with, with Jesus, which I, I think is interesting. Why didn't Jesus go and find Saul and call him to be a disciple? Walk right up to him and say, follow me. Paul knew the scriptures better than anybody. In fact, Paul writes in his letter, according to the law, he was blameless. He kept everything to the law. He knew it backwards and forwards. He knew the scriptures. Jesus could have easily went and called him and said, come follow me, Saul. But he didn't choose it at that time. But there was a time that Jesus chose him, and it was because of the persecution. We read this in Acts 9, verse 4 through 6. Talking about Saul on his horse. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, listen to what he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Everybody say, let's all say that together. Lord. What do you want me to do? Maybe you haven't asked the Lord that in a long time. Maybe you've never asked him. But what a great question that Saul, and I know I'm going back Saul and Paul, what a great that he would say, what do you want me to do? There was obviously right there some recognition that this was Jesus speaking to him. And it says, then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. What do you want me to do? Here's what you must do, right? Must do. About that time, the Lord began to speak to a gentleman by uh, Ananias. And he uh, simply spoke his name. And Ananias said, yes, Lord. And God wanted him to go to a street called Straight. There you're going to find Saul, and I want you to say these things. And you know what he says right here? you got to be kidding. Don't you know who this guy is? So think of the worst mobster, right, hiding out somewhere, and you want me to go talk to him? Are you crazy today, Lord? You're absolutely, you know, crazy, crazy. No, I want you to go talk to him. And here's what, uh, in Acts 9, here's what Jesus says to him. And he, makes, he says, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Therein lies when we read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I tell you what, I don't want to be, can you imagine leaving church every Sunday? Now, on your way out today, have a great week. We'll see you. We've got this, this. And remember, you're going to get beaten at your car for the gospel's sake. You'd all go out like that door out the back, right? I'm not going outside till they leave. No, nobody wants to have to go through any of that. Paul was going to go through that because, really, he delivered that to the Christians. 
But when he was persecuted, when he was beaten, when he was called names, when they said, you're a weak little thing, it made him stronger, not because of what he appeared like, but because of what was on the inside. He trusted in the power of God. You know, I, I, I listen to pastors and I think, oh, these guys communicate so much better than me. I just need to play their message on a Sunday. We'll just watch. They're so much better at communicating that. But it's not about the communication. It's not about how we pitch it or how we say it. It's, it is God's power residing in at work in our lives. Because we know that when we read the scriptures and we say it out loud, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Paul was convinced that this message of the cross had to get out. He was convinced that he could go to a city and be a tent maker and start a church. He was convinced that God would show up. And if I can't get to him, I'm going to pray over a handkerchief and I'm going to take off my apron and I'm going to send it its way because somebody is going to be healed. You know, at the end of the age, um, the Bible lets us know that Satan is going to be revealed to all of the world. And you know what the Bible says everybody's going to say? Is that him? The is that the worm? That's what the Bible says. The, the worm, the little like creature in the, in the dirt, that deceived nations? That got me going a direction my whole life that I didn't follow Jesus? That, that worm? That weak little worm? Paul, who might not look like what everybody thought, everybody probably had an aspiration of what he looked like. They'd heard, of, uh, heard his letters read in the churches, and they saw him. They, they made fun of him. But as we read, and I want to read that in closing, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I want us, in fact, let's all read this together because this is so powerful for all of our lives in any situation uh, that we're in because we're so full of excuses nowadays, and this puts the excuses out of the window. Let's read this together. Ready? And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me mention this lastly. I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know what I'm going to say when I go there. I don't know what, what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen when I go with this family. I haven't figured all of this out. I haven't done a, done a demographic study. I, ha I haven't done a research. He didn't want to know anything among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The message of messages. Bow your heads, if you would, with me. And I want to close with these two things. And the first one is this. And we see that Jesus comes to Saul personally. And it's always that invitation that Jesus comes to us personally, knocking on the door of our heart. 
and it's taking that time to listen. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you've never asked him into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, we're going to all do this and pray it out loud together, but I would like you to pray it individually between you and your Father God. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I open the door of my heart, and I choose to make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In fact, if you prayed that today, um, you, according to the Bible and the Scriptures, have made Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that in heaven there's all joy, and we'd love to connect with you when we close our service. But I'd like everybody to bow their heads again, because I want to pray this prayer that I wrote over myself, my family, but I wanted to put it in here to pray it over all of us. And let's pray this to the Lord before we close in worship. Father, I desire to be the kind of person who never allows the situations of life to stop me from walking in your plan for my life. I repent for the times that I've acted weak and complained, that what I was facing was too hard to deal with. You have given me your spirit and your power. There is no problem, challenge, or hardship that I can't overcome. I again receive your power, and I will do what you tell me to do. Today, I make my choice, and I receive your Spirit's power so that I can complete every assignment that heaven ever asks me to do. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And Father, we say that. Whatever heaven asks of us to do, no more excuses. No, uh, I can't do it. I don't, I don't have the resume. I don't have the contacts. I don't have the finance. I don't have, I don't have. Lord, we put away the excuses. Tell me what to do, heaven, and I'll do what you ask me to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to close with this worship. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever and ever. From the rising to the setting sun. Stop endures forever By the grace of God we will carry on His love